Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It is my pleasure to welcome back Doug Plucknett. Welcome back, Doug. Good morning, James. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you very much. Now, Doug, it's a pleasure to have you back. And what we really want to talk about today is stuff around RCM analysis. And it kind of relates to some of the stuff we were talking about previously around failure curves with Ron Moore. But before we dive into all that, you are an author, a consultant, an instructor around maintenance reliability, and probably best known for your works on RCM Blitz. Although super brief, what more can you tell us about yourself, what's going on, that type of thing? Um, in terms of myself, I'm a person that started uh, in the skilled trades. I went through an apprentice program back in 1980 at Eastman Kodak Company and uh, uh, then worked as a uh, journeyman and a, a lead person, a maintenance supervisor, and then uh, went to night school for reliability engineering at RIT. And that's actually where I developed uh, the RCM Blitz process. Uh, I was still at Kodak and um, had been exposed to RCM, you know, both through night school and then some um, internal training that we had there. Uh, and I thought the process was, you know, well worthwhile, but it, it was one that was really so focused on, you know, safety and uh, not that that's important, but it wasn't really focused on manufacturing reliability. You know, it was more on the aspect of, you know, if you don't do this, uh, bad things are going to happen and people are going to get hurt. Your plant's going to blow up. And while there are those failure modes that certainly can occur, uh, if you do a good job in the design process, which at Kodak, we had, you know, I had an outstanding safety record. uh, That really wasn't the biggest issue with us. It was really more manufacturing performance that, that we were looking at. So I looked to develop a process that would really focus on what do we need to do in terms of maintenance to improve the reliability and performance of our assets uh, along with those safety and environmental issues. All right, perfect. And that's where RCM Blitz came to be. Now, what is an RCM analysis for those that might not be familiar with a traditional RCM analysis or RCM Blitz? All right, an RCM analysis is a, is a way to develop a, a complete maintenance strategy for a process or a piece of equipment, and it can even be used on a single component for that matter, uh, but it looks at how the component functions, uh, what can cause that function to fail, so we look at functional failures, and then what are the causes of those failure modes, and failure modes are, are the reason why a component uh, or part fails. And once we understand that, then we go through a series of questions to uh, focus on finding the correct task that's either going to eliminate, uh, reduce the number of failures, or um, develop a condition-based task to detect that failure is occurring. All right. Excellent. Now, one of the first steps to doing an RCM analysis is to understand the asset. And I've seen this accomplished many different ways. 
how is it usually accomplished? You know, one of the ways I traditionally do it is we go walk down the asset. Everyone takes a look at it. They get an idea of how it operates. You have some drawings and that sort of thing. But how do people really understand that asset so they know what they're analyzing, what it does, that type of thing? All right. The key thing, James, is really, number one, get a good team. You know, start out with some people that have experience uh, with the asset, whether they were involved in uh, the design and installation for new things. If we're talking about something that's been existing for 10, 20, 30 years, then we're talking about senior operators, senior maintenance people, uh, and then getting a thorough understanding of the performance standards that the business expects from this piece of equipment. Right. So if we're making widgets, how many widgets per hour or if we're producing some type of uh, chemical or flow, uh, what type of rate are we talking about? Uh, so understanding the performance standards is a key in looking at and getting a thorough understanding of how a process should work. And of course, as you mentioned, walking the equipment down is, is one of the key things. Uh, to make sure that we have all the equipment associated with it as part of the RCM or is part of what we plan to tackle in a week's time. Um, that's really a key part of it. Drawings uh, are great. Um, when we're looking at new things, again, the drawings are, are quite handy. On older equipment, we have to make sure that we have drawings that are up to date. If they haven't been up to date, then we talk about, all right, what are we going to do to uh, walk this stuff down and, and create some drawings that uh, actually represent what's out there so that we're not analyzing things that don't exist or that we don't miss things that are there that uh, haven't been put into a drawing. So it really is a, is a process of uh, getting a good understanding before you start of what's actually out there. All right. Excellent. Now, once we understand the asset, most analysis work to break down that asset into subsystems and analyze those subsystems? Why would we want to do that? Uh, the subsystems can be extremely important, right? Uh, I, I can remember getting involved in a, a customer RCM that uh, we're doing a piece of manufacturing equipment that machines parts, right? And as we look at this asset and start talking about how it works and all the different uh, components that make that system up and how they work together, uh, we then uh, come to recognize, holy smokes, there's a hydraulic system that, that, that's a part of this machine that makes it run completely separate from where that machine sat, right? It was actually about 50 feet away, right? If you don't go out and walk that stuff down and look at it and say, okay, what's making this particular part move back and forth or uh, function, you could completely miss that, right? And certainly hydraulic system and this was one of the things that i had to tell that team we may not tackle that this week this is maybe another uh couple days to, to handle this we'll see how the event goes throughout the week but the hydraulic system is important it, it has a, a function all its own right to be able to produce uh, the correct amount of pressure and flow to make the uh components of that machine run so if we miss those things we're going to miss key failure modes that are going to impact the performance of the piece of equipment or machine. All right, perfect. Now, once we recognize that we need sub subsystems, how do we break that asset down into those subsystems? Do we rely on manufacturer's information, functional block diagrams? How do we actually select what are subsystems of that asset? 
Yeah, there's two ways to do that, James. Um, one is uh, to start out, again, looking at the main function. What do we expect from the machine? And the first way to do this, and, and I'm not saying that's the way that I do it all the time, but I've done it several times, especially for more complex machines, is we'll look at electronic, mechanical, hydraulic, pneumatic, and break the machine into those particular subsystems. All right. The other way is to walk the asset down and say, okay, uh, again, with a piece of machine, you could have a, a, a cooling system that goes with it. All right. Break that particular system out. Uh, and that's probably the way I do it most often is, is by walking things down and looking at it and saying, okay, what particular subsystems go with this machine? Uh, the Functional block diagrams certainly are a help. Uh, if you're somebody, a new facilitator that isn't familiar with the, the piece of equipment, right, or you haven't done 100 RCMs like uh, I and uh, several others in the community have done, uh, where you have a, a sense of let's walk it down and take a look at it, uh, the block diagrams certainly can help a, a new facilitator better understand what's out there. All right, perfect. So sometimes it's just walking it down, identifying the major systems with it involved, whether it's a cooling system, a hydraulic system, a pressing system, whatever it may be, and using those. Or, you know, if you're new, using a functional block diagram, those types of things. So there really isn't a consistent way to break these down. It's more up to the facilitator and team that's doing the analysis then. Yes, I'd say that's a correct statement for sure. Um, one of the other things that's going to help is initially working with the team to draw the boundaries of, of the analysis because you can get really sucked into going way out into subsystems compressed air for an example is an example Elect electricity is another one the next thing you know you're, you're you're back all the way back to power coming in off a uh, main line somewhere right before your your bus bars and all that so you, you have to be able to say what are the boundaries of this rcm and what subsystems are included and how far back are we actually going to chase them okay excellent words of wisdom i have seen that occur many times where you know like you said they start chasing back all of a sudden they're talking about the air, compressed air system of the plant and the compressors that run it and so on and so forth so very good words of wisdom there yeah by the way every time that we start to go that direction uh you'll hear about oh yeah we you know we're changing air filters all the time because our air is miserably wet and you go oh boy all right because that really is that particular uh situation is going to impact lots of components on that machine right so there is that temptation to go holy smokes we do got to go back that way because if they don't get this air dried out and clean the failure modes of the instrument on this machine are going to continue to happen over and over and over again right so it's, it's one of those things that the recognition of where to stop, right? But also tell the team, look, you really have to go back and do this compressed air system, right? Yeah. So it's not that we're it's not that we're going to ignore it. <laughs> we're going to focus on this machine this week, but sometime down the road in the near future, we need to focus on your on your compressed air because that's affecting every machine now, not just this one, but all of them. Absolutely. So we're going to circle back, make sure we tackle it but it's not part of this analysis. Correct. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. 
be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com. Now, how far does one need to break down the asset they're analyzing into subsystems? Do they have to go all the way down to the individual part, maintenance assemblies, larger subsystems? How far do we break it up before we get into the analysis? All right. So starting out in the analysis, we're going to break, um, talk about the main function of the asset, right? And then the functionality of each component, right? So that goes to component level. When we get to failure mode level, then we then get down into dealing with parts, right? Sometimes failure modes deal with components. Many times they deal with parts, right? So we're talking about the component is a pump, the impeller is a part, the bearings a part, the shafts a part, the seals a part, right? And we need to talk about the failure modes of each of those things. What causes them to fail? All right, perfect. Now, is it a requirement to break down the assets into those subsystems? Or can we just do it if we have a simple piece of equipment like a pump, for example, and just do it at a high level on a pump. Do we have to break that down into subsystems? Um, I think that as you're learning RCM, it's important to to do the detail of breaking that down. When I teach uh, facilitators and mentor facilitators, I require them to do it at that level. In fact, they'll create a hierarchy. Um, I, I can tell you one facilitator that's really done a fantastic job uh, we actually, they didn't even have good hierarchy at their plant, right? So when we went to do their first piece of equipment, uh, I had to say, all right, this is what the ISO standard is for hierarchy. You guys aren't there. And that's why you're having issues with your CMMS and your history. And you don't know where your, your troubles are. Uh, I teach them to say, let's create that hierarchy. So now that we have a good map of what's out there, uh, and we can upload into that, into your RCM database. And what comes out of your RCM will now absolutely match your hierarchy. And then when you go to implement those things, it'll be very simple to say, here's where this task belongs. It belongs under this component, and we're discussing that part, right? So it getting that type of discipline up front really helps in the long run uh, to be able to uh, do RCM the way it's supposed to be done now. I'd be a hypocrite if I told you I never said, don't worry about listing all the parts for the pump. I know what the failure modes are, right? Uh, but that comes with experience. Yeah, exactly. And so there are certainly times when you look at something and you say, okay, we're not, they're not having any issues with this particular pump at all, but we do need to discuss the failure modes of it. So we're going to go through and bang out, you know, 10 quick failure modes for this pump and be done with it. All right. Now, one of the challenges I hear from a lot of people that are doing this for the first time is figuring out really how to how to develop those subsystems. So, you know, we talked about walking the asset down or using electrical, mechanical, uh, pneumatic, those types of things to kind of trigger what subsystems we have. What words of wisdom do you have for our listeners on figuring out what subsystems to use. Cause I find that a lot of people get hung up on that and then defining functional failures for a subsystem to get hung up on as well. <laughs> yeah, this is, again, it's, it's one of those things that I think the best teaching tool for that 
is understanding that ISO 14.224 hierarchy and what that hierarchy is supposed to look like. So when you look at that a particular machine, think of that hierarchy, what it should look like. So it should be, here's our, our, our main machine, and I'm going to talk about a CNC machine, right? And that CNC machine has um, a main drive motor, right? And from that main drive motor, uh, we've got to cover the, the electrical piece of it. Then once we get through the electrical piece of that, then we work out to the mechanical parts of what it's driving, right? Um, it also has a system for supplying coolant, right? So in that particular system, what are the mechanical, electrical, pneumatic, hydraulic, if, if it applies, right, for each of those? At that point, we simply go to the component level and stop. Right. So as we look at that hierarchy, we should be four or five levels in, depending on where you start. Some companies start with I'm Eastman Kodak Worldwide. This is the Rochester plant. This is building 642. So they're already three levels in. Now we're talking about CNC machine. That's the fourth level in. Fifth level in would be the component. Right. Understanding that particular flow and how those things are is going to make a tremendous help in understanding what's out there, right? Again, I would encourage, and this is where facilitators get in trouble, is they will sometimes be talked into, especially early on, facilitators that are relatively new will be talked into, oh, you know, we can't give you our A1 machinist and A1 operator so we're going to give you this person and that person that uh, they've been here six months. They sort of they, they 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 pretty much know the machine, right? Getting good people is going to help the facilitator understand what's out there and make sure that they don't miss, right? And that's one of the keys, probably more important even than the hierarchy, is setting up the correct team, right? Get people that know what's out there to help you right from the start, right? It's nice when you get. 20 years experience like I have, and you say, a company says, can you come in and do this? And you say, okay, send me drawing, send me information. We have some phone calls, and I have a hierarchy uploaded to their RCM that's about 80% complete when I walk in, right? We spend uh, four hours going through some training, and then probably an hour looking at that hierarchy to say what's there and what's not there. Are there some things that are incorrect? And when you have the right team in the room, that's all it takes is an hour to go through that, right? So that probably more than anything is is the important piece of this is having the right folks in the room. All right. So the prerequisites, good team, good hierarchy, then the rest just kind of comes together at that point. Yes, absolutely. All right. So with your experience facilitating these RCM analysis, leading these teams, what words of wisdom would you give to those that are doing this, that are new to it? How do they approach it? Do they need to go read up on some more books? Practice, practice, practice. What is it? Yeah. Um, experience is, is a key thing. And to get that experience, it, it takes, number one, it takes patience, right? I tell people, you're going to make mistakes. I've been doing this 20 years and I still make mistakes. You know, I, I get people laughing at me if I come in in the morning and say, hey, I was laying in bed last night and I thought about this particular failure mode we discussed. And I don't think that it's quite correct. I want to go back to it. And they go, you think about this at night? Right? That's really <laughs> disturbing. Um, 
But don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to continue to ask questions, right? To say, do we have that right? Is that at the right level, right? Did we discuss this? There's always that temptation to just say, uh, the motor failed. And you go, really? All right. Especially when they tell you 30 seconds later that, uh, yeah, that, that motor's failed three times in the last five years. Really? There's something a little more going on than, that, than a motor just failing. Why is that? Why is it failing so often? Right. I, I see the same things with smaller components, you know, the, just the acceptance of, well, it failed. Right. Or a failed open or a failed close. Why? Continue to ask those questions. And that's what makes you a better facilitator. The team, um, it's very rare that they totally lose patience with the questioning. Right. I tell them, look, we're all here to learn. Most of you know a lot about this thing. But many times we don't discuss failures to the point that we need to. We just accept the fact that they happen. And, and then we look to say, how can we do it quicker? And that really isn't the right answer, right? The right answer is to say, what can we do to eliminate it from happening again? And if we can't eliminate it, is it something that we can uh, reduce the number of failures through PM or detect through on-condition maintenance in some way? Uh, it's really a learning process. And that's the key is to, I tell people, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Don't be afraid of sending Doug Plucknam an email or, or making a phone call to say, Hey, I've got this going on. What do you think? Right? I've never charged for that that type of information. Right? When people are learning, that you know, I'd I'd be crazy if I told you that I, I don't make those phone calls myself. Right? I've got uh, a friend in Derek Burley that has a similar amount of years and experience of RCM, and there have been many times that I've called Derek or he's called me to say, Hey, what do you think about this? I'm I'm here or there doing an RCM. And they're talking about this. You got any experience with that? Right. That type of information is priceless. Right. Don't be afraid to make those calls and, and ask people. It absolutely is. And that's the one thing I like about this industry is that everyone is willing to work with everyone to help solve some of these problems. Yeah. I have people I call on a regular basis. Like, hey, same sort of thing. I'm seeing this or this is what's happening. This is what I think. What do you what do you think? Right. That learning goes a long way and it's by asking those questions is how you get better. Absolutely. Now, Doug, first I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about subsystems. But before we go, what is the one thing you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today? What do you want them to go do differently, learn, try, whatever it may be? Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing that people can do is, is to learn to ask questions, not be afraid to ask those questions. Uh, I can tell you, I was lucky that very early on in my career, I, wor I worked with some engineers that, that happened to be hands-on type of engineers. You know, they weren't ones that sat behind a desk and wanted to stay clean all day. They, uh, If you were working on something and they knew that you were, let's say I'm going to be taking this particular condenser apart. Hey, when you get that apart, give me a call. I'd like to take a look at it and, and try to understand what's actually up there, right? And then in doing that, when they'd come up, I'd ask the questions, what exactly does this thing do, right? How does it work? What's causing it to plug up, right? What are the, what are the, why does this get plugged up with chemicals, right? And, and asking those questions, you learn to understand why things fail, what causes things to fail, what can you do about it, right? I can tell you in the first five years of my career, I spent 
at least 30% of my time running a high pressure water uh, blaster, right? Liquid blaster. And after working with these engineers and with the other folks that I work with, the young crew that many of us were very similar and engaged in trying to understand why things failed the way they did. Several years later, we never ran that liquid blaster anymore. Right? And it's all because of just trying to understand how the process works and asking questions so you have a better understanding of how it works and why things fail. Right? Uh, understanding those things is going to make you better at root cause analysis. It's going to make you better at RCM. And when, the other thing is when I learned RCM, uh, we always developed our maintenance strategy by, oh, something failed. What should we do now? And when I found out, hey, we can talk about these things and under, try to understand how they fail before it actually occurs, right, and develop a maintenance plan that, that will actually impact how it runs, that really is enlightening. Do those things. Get better at RCM. Once you get better at RCM, you'll be better at root cause analysis. It's understanding how things fail and also understanding that many of the failure modes, probably 65, 70% can actually be eliminated, right? That's powerful stuff right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Understanding how things fail, having that inquisitical mind, go see how it works, take it apart, see all those different pieces. That is very, very important to, like you said, understanding the failure modes, and it makes you better at all the different things we're doing. So great words of wisdom. Now, Doug, before we go, where can people find out more about you, your book, RCM Blitz, all those other great things? All right. Um, I certainly have a website, rcmblitz.com. You can find information about me and what we do at Reliability Solutions there at that website. Uh, my book is called Reliability Center Maintenance Using RCM Blitz. Um, also written a second book called uh, Clean, Green, and Reliable with Chris Colson many years back. That's a great book. Um, and my email is plucknut.doug at gmail.com. So lots of places to get a hold of me. I'm on LinkedIn pretty con uh, consistently, so I can be found there as well. All right, perfect. I will make sure to put links to all those in the show notes so people can easily click on them, get in touch with you, get in touch with these great resources. I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about subsystems within the RCM analysis. It's a critical piece that I think many people are missing. So thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom with us today. All right. Thanks, James. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.